When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. While the berry season is over in Wisconsin, growers should be thinking about how they're going to protect their crop from pests next year while also promoting pollinators. Christelle Guidot is an associate professor in entomology at UW-Madison. She's also an extension fruit crop entomologist. She tells us about a pest that can be a huge issue for berry growers called thrips. Yeah, for strawberry growers, thrips were, were a big problem. So thrips are these very tiny insects that are a millimeter long or some somewhere around there. So they're very, very small. They're not very conspicuous, so you really have to pay attention to them. And they do not really overwinter in Wisconsin. So what happens is in the early spring, they fly in onto those strong storms that are coming from the south. So they're migrating with the wind currents. And so when they arrive, depending on when they arrive, they arrive as adults and they then can reproduce here. And so depending on when they arrive, they can cause tremendous damage on your uh, strawberries and other plants as well. But uh, this year, that was a big problem because there was a lot of potential misdiagnosis of people not realizing that there was thrips. And then we talked also about the fact that there's a threshold that you should use by tapping flowers. So you go and you tap flowers onto a white sheet and then you see those thrips and then you count them. And the threshold is 2 to 10 thrips per flower that you would see. And so that is a problem in what threshold do you want to use. Do you want to be uh, on the low end of the the threshold and then uh, really be proactive right away? Or do you feel like you don't have a big population and you don't have a history and you want to go more with the 10 per flower cluster? So that's the, the part that's really hard to figure out because... As they're migrating, you don't know what you're going to get each year. So it's not a history of what you've had because they don't overwinter here. There's indication that they may be overwintering, but that's not the populations we're getting. It's mostly those populations that are migrating. And so that's been a, a lot of conversation for the strawberry growers. Now we're at the time where the strawberry season is over. So that's not something that people are really concerned about anymore. But the, the problem is, what do you do next year? And how do you get to really identifying the problem to know that that's what you have? And then what actions are you going to take for that? And you say uh, you give the tools. You don't tell people what to do because they know their own operation yeah. better than you do. But what are those tools uh, for growers to go to to tackle this problem specifically? For the most part, in this case, it would be insecticides. So you would want to spray, if you have those thresholds, whether you go with the two or the 10 or in between, you would want to spray an insecticide because there's not much more that you can do at this time to really manage those thrips because they arrive, they shower down on your strawberry, and once they're there, they're there. So really, it would be applying an insecticide at that time. In addition to pests, you also focus on your pollinators, the beneficial bugs that fruit growers need in their operation. What are your recommendations to growers for if they can bring in more pollinators to their operation, wild or not? Okay, yeah. So you can think about bees from the most part being native bees. So they will be around your and in your um, um, farm. So promoting those that are already there and attracting some that are maybe further back 
would be done by uh, having pollinator habitat. So you would want to plant flowers and have something that maintain what you have, but also is attractive to more bees to come. If you plant flowers, bees will come. There's no question about it. So that would be the main thing that people can do. And a lot of people are already doing that. And that incorporates really well with any kind of perennial crops where they're not going to be competing. And you put that close to your crop, but on the side, so you don't have any competition within your, your cropping system. Now, you also have managed bees, whether it's bumblebees or uh, honeybees. And even for those, it's been shown to be very good to have alternative uh, resources for them. Um, so that would still apply for any bees, whether they're managed or native bees that are wild bees. Um, all of those are going to be benefiting from planting those flowers and having a diversity of food around the crop that you have. If you have a crop that's like, say, strawberry, where they flower for somewhat, it's not too short of a period of time, but something that's a little shorter and you don't have anything later in the season, in late July, in August, in September, having those flower plantings is going to really help the bees that are around your farm because they're going to stay there. They're not going to move. They're in that area and they're not going anywhere. So not having any flowers for them could be detri very detrimental for them. So it's much better to have pollinator plantings that will provide them food throughout the entire season. So what's that fine line then between mitigating pests and promoting pollinators? Yeah, so it is a fine line. And, and we call that kind of integrated pest and pollinator management because everything you do has an impact on everything around. You're within an agroecosystem and everything is in interacting together. So what you're going to have is when you have any kind of management strategies, that's going to have an impact on your pollinators that are around. It could have beneficial impact or it could have negative impact. So finding that fine line where you're managing your pest while you're protecting your pollinator is really important and ways you can do that um, include having those pollinator plantings for example can also foster uh, biological control agents those insects that feed on the pests and that's been shown in different agroecosystems so that's one way where you can promote biological control reducing pesticide um, in your planting at the time of bloom when the bees are, are going to your the flowers of your crop is really important so reducing changing the timing, maybe putting the pesticide before bloom or wait until after bloom. Or if you really have to spray during the, the bloom, you would want to spray your pesticide that are less toxic to bees and also that are going to be sprayed uh, in the evening when the bees are not active. And so those pesticide residues have time to dry up and be less picked up by bees the next day. Yeah, and then another strategy what a few growers had mentioned was taping the, the door shut to sure. keep the bees away. <laughs> Sure. So that's something that uh, people do uh, when you have the managed bees, when you have the beehives, whether it's honeybees or bumblebees, you can actually close the door of those hives with tape or with the doors on the bumblebee nests. And that will prevent those bees from going out and foraging. So you could even close it like earlier in the evening or in the afternoon, close it, the bees won't come out, you spray your pesticide and then the next morning you reopen another tool that people can use an app and it sounds like you can search this anywhere reduce bee poisoning from pesticides either on an apple android whatever you got yeah. and you can get an app to help guide you in your pesticide selection 
Exactly. Yeah. So this is one. There's probably others, but this is one that's very useful where you can type in then the, the active ingredient of the product you intend to apply and it will color code it and tell you how toxic it is to bees. So that say you have two products that you're thinking about and it could also be a fungicide. You have two products. You're not sure which one will be less toxic to bees. You type the two active ingredients and you'll see if there's differences in their toxicity to bees. And so you can have a more informed decision when you're choosing a pesticide. It is possible to do integrated pest and pollinator management. You just have to be very careful on how you do it and then uh, do everything you can to promote those pollinators. Christelle Godot along with us, an associate professor in entomology at UW-Madison. She's also the extension fruit crop entomologist. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.